guys, you're watching Out of the Box Podcast with Rosie Tran. I'm so excited. I'm here today with Demi Chang. Demi, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, it's really exciting. So I want to know all about you're actually traveling the United States in an RV. Is that correct? Yes. So my husband and I have a 36-foot um, motorhome, which is it's the kind that looks like a bus. And we're traveling with our dog and our cat. How did you guys, is this a COVID thing or did you guys just decide to go around the U.S.? Um, so I recently got out of the Marine Corps last year. And when we were deciding our next steps, um, when you leave the military, they kind of um, want you to figure out what you're going to do next. And the van life movement was getting really big. And my husband and I have always been big on traveling. And so I was like, oh, we should get a van and just travel. <laughs> Uh, my husband's taller than me, so he's like, I'm not living in a van. Um, so we compromised on an RV, and so we rented one. We always recommend that people rent one before they buy it, but we finally found the one that met our needs, and we bought it, and so we've been loving it ever since. That's awesome. So uh, what is the van life movement? <laughs> um, so I guess it partly had to do with COVID, um, with the popularity of it, but it's basically people who have converted sprinter vans or box truck, or not box trucks, but box vans, and they convert it into a livable space, and then they hit the road with it, um, and uh, it's more with millennials that it's popular with, and a lot of people, when they think about RVs, they think old people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. But. Um, is it kind of like the tiny house movement, just like downsizing your life to live a more simple life and kind of enjoying in the now instead of, you know, a lot of people have a house or a mortgage and they're stressed mm -hmm. with those things. Is that kind of um, part of that movement? Definitely. It definitely plays into the minimalism movement, but it's kind of like a tiny house on wheels. <laughs> okay. That's literally what it is. Um, so it just is a tiny house, but you're mobile. Okay. Did you have a lot of resistance from friends or family members when you were like, okay, I'm going to go like travel the world now and live in an RV? I think a lot of people are skeptical about it. Um, the reaction that we get, uh, well, there's two types of reactions we get. Uh, the one reaction is, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. I've always wanted to do that. And <laughs> okay. the other half is, oh, like, that's nice that you can try that for a little, but um, when are you going to get a real job or when are you going to get a real life? And we're like, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm hearing is you guys plan on doing this permanently or semi-permanently? So the plan right now, um, we're playing everything by ear because it's so flexible for us. But we plan on doing it for a year or two. Part of the reason is to figure out where we want to land. Um, so when I was getting out of the military, it's easy to research places on paper. But unless you're in a city and you can actually get a feel for a location, mm. you can't necessarily know if you want to live there or not. So it's crazy because people are questioning you. They're saying, hey, Demi, how can you do this? It's nice to do it for a little while. But most people make this major life decision, what city they're going to live in, without even trying other cities, right? Yeah. So it's like buying an outfit that you're going to wear forever, but never trying it on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and my husband and I just kind of had similarities in what we wanted in a home destination. We're both originally from the DC, Northern Virginia area, and we just knew that 
we didn't want to return there, at least not right now. Yeah. Um, we wanted to be somewhere warm. We want to be near water. And we kind of got tired of that rat race kind of vibe of the D.C. area. Like, you don't have time to enjoy your life. Everyone's just like working, trying to, like, get to the next level exactly. with their career, right? Exactly. So what have you noticed about your level of freedom or your level of lifestyle that's changed since you've been traveling, living in a van, living remotely instead of being sedentary in one place or in that rat race mentality? Um, it's almost kind of ridiculous <laughs> because, so for example, we wanted to experience New Orleans. We booked three days for pre-Mardi Gras just to get a taste of all the touristy stuff. And we've been here for a month now. <laughs> um, since we work from the road, we're able to go anywhere where there's Wi-Fi. And we work seven days a week. And then after we work, we get to go out and experience whatever city we're in. So the flexibility has been incredible. And it's hard because society ingrains in us <laughs> that you're supposed to work five days a week, hating life, looking forward to the weekend. Or looking for your trip uh, two weeks out of the year and that's it, right? Exactly. So you only get to have fun and explore something different in yeah. you for two weeks out of the year and the rest of the time you're tied to your desk as a slave. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So how many cities have you guys been to? So we started in uh, near Joshua Tree. That's where I was stationed at the time. Um, and then we went across, uh, after we left California, we went across the United States to the East Coast. So we went through Utah, which was Nevada, Utah, which was the most beautiful place that we visited, um, Colorado, and then through the middle of the United States, and then to the East Coast. The Pacific Northwest is amazing. It's a place I never thought I would fall in love with. I fell in love with Montana. I went up there to do some stand-up shows. And I never, sorry, Montana, I never thought about Montana a day in my life before that. And just to see some of the snow-capped mountains and like, mm -hmm. it looks like a Norman Rockwell painting. Like it doesn't oh, seem yeah. real. You know, I remember driving down a couple places and there's like deer running around and like yeah. buffalo and like the snow in the background. Like, is this real? This doesn't look real. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, and it's the same thing about like looking up a city before you move there. Like we've all seen pictures of the Grand Canyon but until you're standing there looking into the Grand Canyon, you can't describe to someone what a scene looks like unless you actually experience it for yourself. Yeah. So what is the most, um, I guess, different thing that you thought that you had an expectation and then once you started traveling or once you started um, living this lifestyle that you're like, oh, that's not what I thought? <laughs> hmm. Let me think. I guess it's... It takes a lot of planning. Oh. So. That's interesting because it seems like you guys are on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> so it is on, it's planning on the fly. Okay. <laughs> and I, so I have spreadsheets about when we're going to be where. So even though we don't plan that far in advance, once we decide on the next location we're going to go to, I'm the kind of person who researches a lot. Like yeah. I will spend a lot of time looking at like Yelp reviews or campground reviews um, just to figure out kind of the next steps. So it's been more planning than you thought. Yes. And I think ideally you want to, because once we feel a vibe of a city and we want to stay longer, then we have a, a little more leeway where we can just enjoy our time there. Um, 
but ideally if we find places that we like then we can stay longer for like a couple weeks or a month at a time whereas if we have a deadline of needing to reach a certain location then we have to move every few days so that part is stressful just packing up like a turtle you pack up <laughs> and move to your next location no you talked about um if you like a place you stay there for a while and obviously you've loved new orleans because you've been here longer than you thought any cities where you were like oh gotta get out of here <laughs> um i don't really want to put any cities on blast <laughs> okay but uh, maybe without putting them on blast what happened or what was the experience that made you like bounce out um I guess every city has good and bad parts. And unfortunately, when we are rolling through a city so quickly, we can't always appreciate all that that city has to offer. Um, okay, that's true. So through the middle of the United States, you know, there's a lot of flat country. There wasn't a ton to stop and see. There's like... You're like, the, I'm not going to put you in blast, yeah. but it's a little boring. <laughs> well, I won't, I won't mention cities, but Kansas had like the largest ball of twine. <laughs> Looking for places, they were like, we have the world's largest ball of twine. And we missed it. So, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. Um, anything, so right now we're living in a very divisive time. Mm -hmm. America is a very divided country. There's a lot of political anger. There seems to be people like unfriending grandma on Facebook for having a certain <laughs> opinion. Um, yeah. But something that I notice when I travel a lot, and I'm sure you're noticing, is that regardless of where you are, a lot of people are just good people and they have um, a lot of similar um, values despite what their political opinions are, what the mainstream media is mm -hmm. um, blasting out there. Have you had that experience? Definitely. I think one of our favorite things about traveling is getting to meet people from all different walks of life. Because um, the same thing with the first impressions, like you can hear about a city, just New Orleans, for example, someone might look at New Orleans and say, oh, well, what about the crime rates or what about the poverty levels? And unless you're here, this place has the most generous people that we have ever met. It takes Southern hospitality to like the next level. Yeah. And just getting to meet people, whether it's through comedy shows um, or through even doing touristy stuff or we like dive bars, just going <laughs> off the beaten path a little bit, food. Um, getting to try new food and just talking to people and if you just have a conversation I know you have another podcast about that if you just have a conversation with someone with yeah. different views as you you can learn a lot from each other I do look at Demi plugging uh, <laughs> BJ and Rosie save the world podcast guys check that one out as well that is BJ Mendelson who is a uh socialist and myself and libertarian talking about politics and guess what we have so much in common even though we're on the opposite ends of the political spectrum thank you demi for plugging that yeah, yeah i over research everything <laughs> i know she's a planner she's like checking it out yeah. Uh, yeah that's what i've noticed too is that a lot of people um there are obviously you know echo chambers and on social media people promoting their own ideas and their different beliefs and things like that but what i notice is that most people actually have very similar shared values and a lot of people have very similar political ideologies mm -hmm. but they just have different ways of getting to the solution you know one person thinks you know more um, free markets one person thinks more government mm -hmm. intervention and so mm -hmm. i think we've lost that a little bit and or mm -hmm. maybe the mainstream media has lost that a little bit where they're playing kind of people against each other for drama yeah. but when you just have a conversation with someone, you realize that we have so much in common. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I started falling into that. I was like, oh, yeah. this person has a different viewpoint than me. They're an idiot. And just <laughs> sitting out and talking to people, you're like, okay, most people 
are you know have a reason behind what they're thinking and saying they're not just like saying it out of left field or you know brainwashed droids it's just mm -hmm. different than yours so yeah i mean even within our own household um because my husband and i we work together we live together i was about to say how is that even you're happy 24 7 in an rv <laughs> um it's a lot but we have different you know beliefs about certain things we yeah. come from different political backgrounds um but there's always a way to find common ground, um, especially through travel, through meeting people, through, you know, everybody loves to laugh at jokes. Everybody loves to eat delicious food. Like there's always things that we can find common ground on either with each other or people we meet, but it can get, yeah, it's we, when you want space and there are no <laughs> doors to slam. <laughs> it's, like I'm going on a walk with the dogs. <laughs> it's a lot. It's just, um, we have a SUV that we drive with the RV and sometimes I'll just go there to make a phone call or something. <laughs> There's nowhere to get space. Well, you're definitely either making your relationship super stronger or like it's going to end. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, uh, I mean, we went on a date for the first time in years um, because I'm like, you know, I think, you know, we need a, a date night, but it's hard to distinguish what a date night is when you're with each other 24 seven. Um, but you know, when you go out to a nice dinner and it changes the vibe. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. Like, oh, I didn't realize we needed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think COVID has, has that happening to a lot of couples too, because mm -hmm. a lot of couples have been trapped together in quarantine oh, yeah. at home 24 yeah. seven. And so that's definitely something that's important is taking mm -hmm. space. Um, so this is a question, obviously you're an Asian American woman mm -hmm. and you're traveling around. You do have your hubby with you. Um, I think there's a lot, I, I'm, I don't want to discount your experience, so I want to know how you feel, but I think there's a lot of um, over-exaggeration in the media mm -hmm. of like racism in America and like Asian hate. I've traveled quite a bit for stand-up and mm -hmm. I have had nothing, yes, of course I've had experiences where someone said something stupid to me or ignorant, yeah. but in general, I feel like Americans are very open-minded. I mm -hmm. felt nothing but generosity and love from people you know, um, my husband and I were just sitting down with a woman the other day who on paper seems like a redneck, <laughs> a redneck Karen. Um, but then like we started talking to her and if, you know, it turns out like she was into medical marijuana and mm -hmm. she was like very open-minded and she had, you know, a son who was LGBT. And so mm -hmm. I think that, um, there's, there's reality and then there's the perception. So mm -hmm. what is your experience as an Asian American woman traveling around the country been like? Specifically through that lens. Asian, oh, yeah. I, we don't see a lot of Asians on our travels. Um, that's one of the reasons I was so excited to meet you <laughs> and be confused for you. <laughs> um, so for you guys um, who don't know, Demi does stand up as well. Okay. And I guess she got recognized. Yeah. And actually the person thought she was me. So like five people. <laughs> So yeah. we also have the same hairstyle right now. So we did not have yeah. to confuse you guys. I was going to wear my black crop top too. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. But on the road, um, I'm lucky. I haven't experienced a lot of direct racism, but I also kind of in the back of my mind, try to protect myself. Um, I joke that, you know, having a white husband is a form of self-protection, but <laughs> it's... I sometimes have the fear, especially when we came down to the South. I made all our campground bookings in his name. I make reservations in his name um, because I'm always afraid that someone will see the last name Chang and not want to serve me, which hasn't happened. But I just 
I live cautiously. I'm lucky that I haven't experienced a lot of direct racism, but I, I, I'm always thinking about race these days, um, especially with the climate of our society right now. So it's still something that I'm trying to navigate and figure okay. out. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, that's interesting. So you haven't experienced it, but you're cautious about it. Yeah, just like what you're saying with the echo chamber. Um, you know, when my whole when my whole timeline is like redneck military people, <laughs> and I love them, but okay. it's very different. <laughs> from following, for example, I've been following a lot more Asian Americans or just Asian uh, social media profiles and um, it opens your eyes to a lot of what's happening in America, but it also gives you the most condensed version. Like there's one page I follow, which is always talking about like attacks on this person, attacks on this person in New York. And it's, it's really heartbreaking, but it, it just creates a lot of conflict in my mind of like, how can I help or what am I doing? Am I taking a backseat to the suffering of others or am I just not seeing it? So that's been hard. Like I haven't witnessed it for myself. So I know it's out there and I wish I could help, but it's, it's just weird. Like, I don't know if you've experienced the same thing, like seeing it versus reading about it in the news. Um, hmm. So, I believe it's real. I don't think it's like fake or anything. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, I don't happening. Think it's fake. <laughs> I don't think it's fake or anything. Yeah. But um, I I do personally think that the mainstream media does project a lot of negativity because that's how they get a lot of ratings is focusing on negative news. Mm -hmm. So a great example is living in New Orleans. There's a constant projection of crime. If you were to not know about New Orleans or not experience it, you would think that it was you know um, Terminator Three <laughs> happening. <laughs> And so I do think that there is an incentive to project fear. Mm -hmm. And so I don't like that. I think the best thing that we can do as Asian Americans is be positive role models mm -hmm. and be positive um, voices for people to see that, hey, we're just normal people. You know, there's nothing yeah. weird about me being Asian. And I actually, you know, when I, we, they talk about stop Asian hate, um, mm -hmm. something that I talk about quite a lot is stop Asian hate also within the Asian community because a lot of racism I have experienced is actually from other Asian Americans, you know, yeah. being an Asian comedian. I've had people say, oh, you know, you're playing into the stereotype by, by talking yeah. about this. Oh, oh, you're not representing enough or oh, you're yeah. being too white or oh, you're being too Asian. And so, mm -hmm. you know, this happened to Margaret Cho in the 90s when she had her show All American Girl. She just wanted to be yeah. Margaret Cho. Right. And the network were telling her, you're too Asian. You're not Asian enough. Yeah. And so I get a lot of that within the Asian community. So I think, you know, yes, stop Asian hate. You know, no one, please punch me in the face. <laughs> but also within Asians, there's a lot of self Asian hatred. So I know there's a lot of Asians that constantly are criticizing other Asians. I'm really good friends with a lot of pretty big Asian artists, actors, and comedians in the media, and they're constantly getting bagged on by other Asians. Yeah. You know, people yeah. that are saying, hey, you're Korean, but you're not Korean enough, or you're... And so, um, to my Asians and brothers and sisters, I mm -hmm. say, let's stop the Asian hate with ourselves first. Yes, And I so, agree. that is something that I talk about. I love everyone, you know. Um, I don't believe that you shouldn't see color, because color does exist, mm -hmm. and, and I totally agree with what you said, that, you know, we need to respect each other's differences, and but I also think that sometimes we talk about problems too much mm -hmm. and that also exacerbates them. And so we need to heal and part of healing is talking about it and then letting it go and moving forward. So that's yeah. my personal opinion. That's how I feel about it. But yeah. I know that 
so my opinion may be controversial for some people. Yeah. I mean, I think we have a lot of controversial opinions. I think that's why we <laughs> decide to get into comedy to kind of put those controversial things in a light that everyone can understand and laugh about. But yeah. just like you said, there's certain things that, yes, are about race, and there's certain things that stem from other issues. Like, for example, senseless violence in general. Yes. Um, I mean, I was in the military. I believe in responsible gun use. That opens a whole other can of worms. But senseless violence on the streets, sometimes it really just is senseless. Sometimes it wasn't, maybe it wasn't racially motivated. And there's, you know, it's up to, you know, the facts of the case to determine that. But it's... I also think people are amazing, but I also think there's a lot of assholes out there. Yes, <laughs> yes, there are a lot of assholes. Some people are racist assholes, and some people are just assholes. It has nothing to do with race. They're just a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that sometimes we're too, um, sometimes we don't uh, talk about race enough and sometimes we're, we blame it a little bit too much. So there's, there's a fine line. And I think like you said, there's a lot of echo chambers where people are hearing certain narratives over and over again. So, yeah, I definitely echo what you said. Like you're too Asian, you're not Asian enough. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's, it's something I'm still navigating. I feel like I repressed it and pushed it away for so long. Like as a kid, all my friends were Asian at some points, and we'd be like, Asian invasion! (laughs) That was my whole identity. And then in order to assimilate or to, you know, be accepted, then sometimes we push that away, and we try to do... You know, when I was a kid, I, or in high school and things like that, I would look at the Asians that were so-called whitewashed. Yeah. you know, the girls who, like, colored their hair a certain (laughs) way or used certain brands and wanted to fit in with the white kids. And I was like, you guys are being so fake. How come you're not embracing your culture and things like that? And then lately, when I've been having my own identity identity struggles, I'm like, that's me. Like, (laughs) and not on purpose. I think the truth of the matter is, whether you're Asian American, Latino American, African American, Mm -hmm. any type of... Um, minority American, mm-hmm. the truth is you're probably both. You yeah. are a little white and yeah. you are a little what you know where you came from. And that's yeah. what we are. We're half and half, right? So mm-hmm. we're half in our Asian world and we're half in our American world. Yeah. And so the truth is we're a little bit in between, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're in between seas. And all the immigrants, I'm sure, dealt with this when you know the Italian immigrants came mm-hmm. in the early 1900s, and German yeah. immigrants. I'm sure everyone. It's the American story. So actually, we're super American. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is kind of off topic, but I or not off topic, but off track. I had a weird experience um, recently, where my husband and I were out, and someone was joking with me like, "Oh, like you're not Asian at all. You're a banana," and. I didn't even realize that was, he was like, he was insulting you. And I (laughs) didn't take it as an insult, but it's that weird thing. Like if you're black and someone calls you an Oreo or if you're yellow. It depends on if you identify with it. So if you identify with the banana, you're like, I guess I'm a banana. (laughs) But if you're not, you're like, hey, that's not cool. Yeah, I went into a tailspin. I'm like, that doesn't help my identity crisis. You're spiraling. You're like, I'm spiraling, I'm spiraling. Well, the good news is that you have been traveling quite a bit, and it sounds like you haven't had any experiences with racism, um, direct racism. So that's awesome. Not overtly. I feel like we have, I don't know, sometimes we walk in and people are like, are you guys lost? (laughs) Maybe you just look really lost, Demi. (laughs) But then once you start talking to people, you know, you're like sharing drinks, you're just 
chatting and and by the end of the night everyone's like y'all come back now like it's, it always ends up being okay i always assume people have the best intentions i've had people say all sorts of comments to me you know mm -hmm. like calling me oriental or other things and yeah. a lot of people just don't know you know like you yeah. said you've been traveling you haven't seen that many asian americans yeah. so if someone doesn't have anyone around them mm -hmm. unless someone comes up to me and starts calling me a bunch of derogatory words and like yeah. has a knife in their hand I, yeah. <laughs> I assume that they just are ignorant and they don't know and so i don't yeah. think that most people have a bad intention again unless you're yeah. like driving your rv on their lawn and your dogs are like <laughs> pooping in their front yard and you didn't clean it up <laughs> Yeah, I will say I never drive the RV because I'm afraid they're going to see this face driving and just assume the worst. Um, okay, so where are you guys headed next? Tell us a little bit about um, your adventures to come. So we are headed to Texas next. Um, when we were deciding where to live, Texas is something that really interested us because um, it has warmer weather and it's, you know, there's bodies of water around and the politics are a little... We it's lived, a purple state. We lived in California. So <laughs> um, California was getting really expensive. So that's a state that we really want to explore in depth. And then we'll probably go, you know, counterclockwise around the United States. So nowhere um, cold? Well, we will go north, but probably not when it's snowing. <laughs> okay. But we want to see all the states. I want to hit all... 50 states if possible. I mean, we're not, we can't paddle to Hawaii, but <laughs> I want to go there eventually. Um, but I, yeah. And are you, how long are you guys going to, I'm sorry, you told me before you guys settle down, mm -hmm. uh, you're going to be RVing for a couple years? We don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I want to see a lot. It's crazy when you start looking up places you want to see and there's just so much out there. I know there's a lot of emphasis on foreign travel. Um, especially during COVID, a lot of people were like, oh, I just can't wait until I can travel to Italy or travel to, <laughs> uh, you know, Southeast Asia and all this stuff. But there's so much of America to see. And, yeah. you know, there's so many different regions that are so different. Like I haven't seen much of the Pacific Northwest yet. I haven't seen, you know, like you said, Montana, Wyoming. Oh, um, Montana's beautiful. Wyoming? Yeah. Sorry, Wyoming. You guys are a little boring. <laughs> <laughs> Wyoming's a little boring. Which one is Yellowstone? <laughs> Yellowstone is in the corner, so it's part of it's in Montana, part of it's in Wyoming. I think I think part of it's in Utah. Yeah. Don't correct me, geography nerds, but um, it's a little. It's like on the corner. Oh yeah, we need to watch Yellowstone. <laughs> Waiting for uh, someone's account, we can share. <laughs> we have too many subscriptions. Um, so, what is the most amazing thing that you've learned about yourself during this this these travels, because this is not something that is mainstream. Obviously, it's out of the box. That's why you're an out of the box podcast. Mm -hmm. um, what is something that you really learned about yourself that you through this experience? About myself, I guess I'm proud of how I can handle situations um, under pressure when we're down to the wire. It's funny because if I have to make a simple decision like what to eat, I will spiral and be like, I don't know. But when You're like, it, what's my identity? What's for dinner? Exactly. But when it comes down to having to, you know, plan, you know, where are we going to sleep? Where are we going to, you know, have a safe landing spot? Um, that's been good. And just, nope, train of thought is gone. I think I have ADHD. <laughs> so what does that mean down to the wire? Are there times where you guys 
are planning the next locale, the next place, and mm -hmm. things fall apart, plans change. What does that mean down to the wire? Um, yeah, either there's booking that falls through, or like for example, for New Orleans, we booked three nights in an RV park and turn into three weeks, turn into <laughs> almost a month. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I thought I was pretty tight B and laid back, but my husband is even more so. <laughs> so there will be times he's like, we'll figure out. Well, you know, it always works out. We'll figure out. So I'm like, you don't understand how much research. <laughs> the type A comes out. Yeah. But we work together to figure out, you know, where, what we're going to do next. Okay. And how can people find you on social media? Um, my Instagram is the Demi Chang. Uh, sounds pretentious, but Demi Chang was taken. <laughs> and, and I'm special. And you have a travel um, Instagram. Yes, and that is Lust Wander RV, which, um, like Wanderlust, Lust Wander RV. And then I am about to launch my website, demichang.com. So that's awesome. There. Well, guys, check out their travel Instagram page to follow mm -hmm. all of her and her husband Chris's travels. Before we head out, craziest travel story, anything that just stands out like, hey, we went to, you know, Niagara Falls and there was a serial killer chasing us or anything like that. <laughs> hmm. Oh boy. Oh, or hey, we did a crazy urban stand-up comedy room and everyone was getting booed. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Okay. What's your, so what's the best place you visited? Kentucky? I think our favorite place so far has been Utah. So Utah has five national parks. Um, we only made it to Zion but it's beautiful there. The, the landscape is like otherworldly. Um, okay, I'm going to Utah in August, so you'll have to tell me. Okay. But the booze <laughs> is... <laughs> is Utah a dry state? Dry-ish. It's, um, they just raised their ABV limit. It used to be point, or 3% ABV used to be the limit, and they just raised it to five. Ooh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so Utah is the most beautiful, but the most, Maybe you can get as crazy as New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. All right, awesome. Guys, check out Demi's Instagram to follow her travels. As always, I'm on Twitter at Funny Rosie, Out of the Box Rosie on Instagram. Guys, this has been Out of the Box Podcast with Rosie Tran. Check us out. Ooh.